Welcome back to A Fan, A Can, and No Real Plan. I'm your host, The Fan. Welcome back to the show. This is episode number two. Uh, just like last time, I'll explain a little bit about how the show works. So, I'm a huge college sports fan. Um, I also like to drink beer. Um, and I didn't really plan out this show at all. I'm just kind of trying things out, trying to have a good time. So, that's where the name comes from A Fan, A Can, and No Real Plan. So, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about college sports, we're going to enjoy a beer. And uh, we're just going to kind of ramble. I have a few topics I want to talk about tonight, but uh, there's no real script or anything like that. Uh, So let me give you a rundown of what we're going to be talking about this evening on the show. First thing I'm going to talk about is college baseball. I know it's not college baseball season right now, but the NCAA has a new rule that I want to talk about briefly. We're also going to run down uh, college volleyball. Women's college volleyball starts uh, pretty quick here. So we're going to go through the top 25, talk about a few teams. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of insight to a team that I think could could be a, kind of a surprise this year and maybe make a run at the national championship for volleyball. And then we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about the Week Zero football games from last night. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night. College football's finally back. I feel like uh, I feel like a junkie that finally got my fix, right? College football's back in season. I, I felt great watching the games last night. I want to talk about uh, both the Miami-Florida game and the Hawaii-Arizona game just briefly at the end of the show. But first, let's get the can component of this integrated. So I got some great feedback from uh, people who listened to my first one. They wanted me to talk a little bit more about what beer I'm drinking. I figured Rolling Rock. Everybody knows what that is. It's cheap. Not much to say. Uh, tonight, one of my buddies was kind enough to uh, leave at my house uh, last night when he came over to watch the games. Uh, this uh, this beer is from Black House Brewery in San Diego, California. It's called Modern Times. It is a, a nitro stout, I believe, with coffee, coconut, and cocoa. Um, I've never had this one before. Uh, let me give you a little bit on the back of the can here. Uh, it says the IBU is 30, and the final gravity is 1.019. I have no idea what that means. I'm not a beer snob. In my mind, that means that somehow this beer is heavier than normal gravity on Earth. Uh, so, interesting. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, it says this beer is vegan. I guess that's good if you care about that kind of stuff. Uh, 5.8% alcohol by volume. And let me read you a little bit uh, what it says in the can here. So it says, this is Black House, our beloved oatmeal coffee stout, nitrogenated and packed to the gills with coconut and cocoa nibs. (laughs) Nibs. (laughs) Uh, I am so mature, I think that's funny. The result is a decadent symphony of chocolate and coffee laced with luscious notes of coconut and a mouthfeel, a mouthfeel, what the heck is that supposed to mean? So luxurious, it's like drinking a velvet painting. That does not sound appetizing from the wording. <laughs> Hopefully it'll turn out to be okay, but that's an interesting way to, uh, to, to write what your beer tastes like. Uh, it says, it's a stunning display of liquid elegance, best enjoyed while wearing your sauciest smoking jacket. <laughs> pour vigorously for a proper head. Well, I'm not going to pour this into a glass because I'm a man and I drink straight from the can, but uh, those I guess that's their suggestion. So yeah, like I said, Black House, uh, I guess, well, so Modern Times must be the brewery, I guess. Uh, from San Diego, California. So let's go ahead and get this opened up. It smells quite nice. Let's give it a try. 
tastes very much like a stout. I am so not a beer snob, like I said, so um, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, I can I can taste the hint of of coconut," or or you know, this is exquisite on my palate. I I don't know. It tastes it tastes pretty good though. I'm not I like it. Um, says it's 75% Ethiopian and 25% Sumatran coffee. Uh, so that's interesting. I do like I'm, I am a fan of coffee. One more sip there. That's quite good. I like that. Uh, the nitro, from my limited experience with nitro beers, they they tend to, to not be too carbonated. Um, they don't. I don't feel like I have to to burp every five seconds after I drink it. So that's kind of nice. That works out well for the show, so you don't have to listen to me uh, constantly hiccuping as I go through this uh, spiel. Okay, so we've got the can incorporated. Let's jump right into the sports. That's that's enough of the beer. Into the sports. So, first thing I want to talk about tonight, NCAA baseball. NCAA baseball came out this week. Uh, not this week, I'm sorry, but a few weeks ago. They're going to implement a 20-second action rule this year. So, what is a 20-second action rule, you might ask? Well, basically, on all pitches, uh, the umpires are to enforce a 20-second time limit for the pitcher to take some kind of action. Doesn't mean he has to throw a pitch. From my understanding, it means he can step off the mound. He could throw uh, over to a runner on base. Um, I suppose time could also be called. Uh, And this goes for the batter as well. Uh, the, the way it's worded is it's a 20-second action rule for all pitches, but this also means that a batter, from my understanding anyway, cannot stand outside the box for, you know, 30 seconds uh, to try to delay the pitcher for any reason. So there's a... I'm really not a huge fan of these, these type of rules. Uh, I know that Major League Baseball, uh, professional baseball, has implemented some, some new rules over the last few years. I'm not, I'm just, uh, I'm not 100% on board with all of it. I know their idea is they want to speed up the game, which is great and all, if you're trying to attract younger fans, I suppose. I, I, I'll get into that in a minute, but I don't want to get too sidetracked right off the bat here. No pun intended. Uh, so it could speed up the game, I will admit. Uh, that is one of the pros of it. Uh, but there's just, I think it takes away some of the mental strategy that comes with the game. Now, I don't agree that you should be able to sit there and delay your pitches for an entire game. That's just ridiculous. I really don't like it when pitchers do that. Um, I will not name the university, but I went to one of my university's baseball games last season. There was uh, It was the Sunday game of a three-game series. The opposing team had to travel they had, not only did they move the game up one hour for the start time to try to accommodate this other team's travel schedule, but they basically took the approach and the strategy of their pitcher was taking so long to throw pitches, it took four and a half hours to get through eight innings of baseball, and the game had to end in a tie so that this other university didn't miss their flight, and that just ticked me off. I really don't like that. I don't think you should be able to delay on every single pitch but what I worry about with a rule like this is in those tense moments, you're in the bottom of the ninth, you've got two runners on base, you want to play a little bit of a mental game with the batter, it, it could take that away. There are certain times where I think that playing that mental strategy is, is important to the game of baseball. It's part of baseball, it's part of why I like baseball, and now you're going to take that away. Uh, so I don't really like the rule in the grand scheme of things for that. 
you know, and again, it, it just doesn't require you to throw the pitch. You could just call time instead. You could step off the mound. There's other ways to delay it. So I'm not sure that it's really going to speed up the game if that's what their intention is. And I don't know how strictly they're going to be able to enforce it either. There's no requirement from the NCAA for schools to install clocks, uh, you know, a 20-second clock at their baseball fields. So I believe it's the first base umpire that is the one that has to keep track of how long it's been. I, I just, how are you going to enforce this? I really don't know how you're going to enforce this very strictly. I don't see it being a major factor, luckily. Um, but again, I don't want to be all negative. There are some pros to this, right? It could speed up the game, and it does eliminate those tactics related to the travel cutoffs. I'm all for playing the mental games to try to get an advantage in critical situations. I'm not for intentionally trying to delay the game to change the outcome because of these travel requirements. Major League Baseball doesn't have this problem, right? The teams, they all have chartered flights, they all have private planes, what what have you. It's not a problem for them. In college baseball, a lot of times they're taking commercial flights uh, or they have a, you know, a charter flight that they've shared or what whatever it may be. And they do have these time restrictions where they have to be you know, at the airport at a certain time. And so you can negatively impact another university uh, by doing what I think is just some shady tactics. I don't like that. So anyway, that's the 22nd action rule for baseball that's going to be implemented this season. Uh, so we'll see what it what it does to affect it. Baseball season is not going to start till February, so we don't need to worry about it right now. But I did want to bring it up and mention it. It was something that, that was brought to my attention uh, this week, and so I thought it was a good way to, to lead off uh, this second episode, <laughs> pun intended that time. So let's move on to college volleyball now. Women's college volleyball uh, season's about to kick off, starting here uh, in just a couple of weeks, or in just about a week. It starts about the same time as, as regular college football uh, season kicks off week one. But we're talking volleyball right now. So the first thing I want to talk about is the top 25 rankings. So this is, uh, I have up here the AVCA coaches poll. Uh, this is the only you know, reasonable poll I was able to find here for Division One women's college volleyball. And so if we look at the top 25, right at the top, number one, no surprise after winning the national championship last year, Stanford comes in at number one. Who's number two? The team that they beat for the national championship last year, Nebraska. Stanford received, received 62 votes to be the number one team. Nebraska received one. So I think Stanford is clearly the favorite coming into this season. Right behind them, Minnesota, Texas, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Kentucky. A lot of those Midwestern teams that are traditionally strong Power 5 teams. In eighth, you have Penn State, which also received one vote for the potential to be the number one team in the nation. Now, Penn State finished 26-8 and last year. They finished the season last year ranked sixth. So they've actually dropped a couple of places from last year. I have not looked deeply into how many seniors they lost, what their recruiting class looked like for for volleyball. I will admit I do not pay attention to women's volleyball nearly as closely as I do some other sports, but I do pay attention to it. I do like to watch the tournaments when they're on television. I try to watch the NCAA tournament or at least keep up on the news about it every year. So I know that Penn State has traditionally been a pretty strong team the last couple of years. Moving down the list, we've got BYU and Florida rounding out the top 10. The, the 10 through 15, you've got, again, a lot of the still a lot of Power 5 schools. Florida, Oregon, Pittsburgh, Washington, Southern California, Michigan. That's from 10 to 15 right there. And you've got Marquette in 16th. Marquette, I think, could have a good run. They finished last year 15th. They went 28-7 and on their season. 
they could move up the ladder pretty quickly if they have a good start to their season. Uh, another team on this list that I want to highlight uh, is in the number 20 spot, and that's Baylor. I think Baylor could be the dark horse team this year. I think Baylor could go to the national championship game, possibly win the national championship. They went 20-9 and last year. They finished the year at 24th. They're returning some phenomenal players. Even though they've lost a couple of seniors, what I was looking into, they have a really, really serious team. So I'm actually going to pick Baylor to be kind of my dark horse team this year to move up to the rankings, uh, have a really good year, and I'm hoping I'm going to see them in the national championship game. A couple other teams on here. You've got uh, University of San Diego. Despite finishing 18 and 13 last year, they did finish 20th in the rankings. They're starting the year at 21st. You've got Washington State in 22nd, Cal Poly in 23rd, Arizona in 24th, and Louisville in 25th. Uh, Missouri just missed the cut for the top 25. So did Utah, Colorado State, UCF, and Pepperdine. So let's talk about Stanford for just a moment. So Stanford, the reality is they're probably going to repeat for the national championship. They went 34-1 and last year. They had one loss last year. They finished as the number one team, and they won a national championship. They have eight national championships at Stanford for women's volleyball. This is a program that consistently puts up good teams. They are consistently a threat, not only in the Pac-12, but on the national stage. It's, it's obvious why they're the favorite. I think Stanford could easily run the table again this year, maybe even go undefeated. Uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. Nebraska's interesting. Nebraska has no seniors on the team this year. So they went 29-7 and last year. Came in, you know, unfortunately lost in the national championship game to Stanford, but they have no seniors on their team. So they're going to come out, if they have a really good season again, they could be unstoppable next year. So I don't want to count Nebraska out already as a, a national title contender this year. Don't get me wrong. They're ranked number two. They, it's well-earned, but they have a young team. They're going to be good not only this year, but next year as well, and possibly the year after. So who knows? Maybe it's Nebraska's time here to go on a title run. They're gonna win, maybe they win two, three championships in a row. I think it'd be great for that university. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to to seeing. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay pretty close attention this year. I think to to the top teams in in women's college volleyball because I want to see if anybody can kind of take down these two powerhouses in Stanford and Nebraska. And like I said, I think Baylor's gonna be the one to do that. Even though they're starting the year at number twenty. Uh, they have some great players. They could have a really breakout year. They opened up the season with a pretty tough uh, schedule. They're going to be playing at the Husker Invitational. So they're going to be at Nebraska. They, they're, but they're going to open on August 30th against UCLA. Uh, UCLA is not ranked in the top 25. They missed out. They received seven votes. So that puts them roughly about 35th. So... You know, they may not be ranked in the top 25, but that's still a tough opponent. I mean, UCLA is historically tough. They have four national titles for volleyball. <laughs> They're not a team that can just be ignored. So that could be a really quality win to start the year for Baylor if they can pull that off. And the very next day, they're going to play Creighton. Creighton. Creighton is ranked 18th. They finished last year 13th, and they went 29-5 and last year. So Baylor has the opportunity here at the Husker Invitational to come out and in two days prove that they are a serious contender for the national title this year. So I'm really looking forward to college volleyball season starting up. I'll be going to my university's games for sure. If you're a student listening to this, you need to go to your university's games. 
These student athletes are working really hard to represent your university, put your university on the map. The least you can do is show up. These girls are really talented. If you haven't been to a women's college volleyball game before, you need to check it out. It's really fun to watch. It's very fast paced. It's high energy. And these girls are really, really talented. I really enjoy going to my university's games. I wish they'd put it on TV a little bit more often. It's regular season games. But I'm going to be paying close attention online this year. And I want to see what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to the drama of the women's college volleyball season for sure. So let's get back to the can here for a second. Also received some nice feedback from some folks that listened to the first episode that they kind of liked the episode length before. So I think my goal is to try to keep it around 20 to 30 minutes from now on. Uh, I think that is a good length. It allows people to listen to it quickly and, and not have to spend a bunch of time. I'm definitely not trying to be a Joe Rogan by any means. So uh, if you like the length of the show, be sure you let me know. So let's move on. I was really hoping to, to record the second episode before uh, the Week Zero games. Unfortunately, I got busy this week. Some things happened. Wasn't able to make that happen. My picks were going to be Florida and Hawaii. And it turned out that both of those are the teams that won. Uh, my justification for each of those was, was basically going to be, I, think, I do think Florida is the better team. Uh, I know Miami is a little bit young in their defensive backfield. I think that kind of showed Florida was able to throw the ball decently well. Aside from the turnovers they had, Miami had forced, what, I think four turnovers in that game, uh, maybe five. I don't remember the exact number. I know there were several interceptions while I was watching. So they definitely got good use out of that turnover chain. Unfortunately, Miami couldn't just pull it, just, just couldn't quite pull it off there at the end. It was a really entertaining game. Talk about a great week zero, exciting game to kick off college football. Um, <laughs> I, you know, Sloppy is a term that I've heard used with regards to that fourth quarter. I kind of agree, um, but mm, I, I was entertained. I really thought the game was a good game. It, it was exciting. It had a lot of drama. Right after uh, Miami was not able to convert points there, with I, I think it was uh, about five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and it looked like Florida had more or less sealed the game. I turned to one of my buddies that was sitting here with me watching the game, and I said, hey, man, they've already forced a lot of turnovers. Who knows what's going to happen? And Florida threw an interception the very next play. And it's just like, man, this is a, this is an absolutely wild game. Then there was the series of, you know, pass interference after pass interference after pass interference that kept Miami alive. Uh, ultimately, my opinion of that game is Florida did not play their best football by any means. Miami, I think, played slightly better for most of the game, but not when it counted. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if Florida's going to use their, their week off they have here to, to really get their head straight and not make so many mental errors, especially those pass interference penalties. I mean, you had basically three opportunities to, to seal the game and kept giving Miami life. And I think if Florida breeds life into other teams later in the season, other SEC programs, they're not going to get away with it. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what they look like in a couple of weeks uh, when they play their next game. The Hawaii-Arizona game was an interesting one as well, I thought. Uh, a lot of points scored in that one. 
I'm I'm not shocked Hawaii won. I am shocked that Hawaii won giving up the ball so many times. I think it was, what, four interceptions and two fumbles, if I'm remembering correctly. But, you know, their quarterback also threw for four or five touchdowns as well. I, I wasn't really... The quarterback change for Hawaii at the end of the game was a little bit interesting. I was not sure if that was... I don't want to say punishment for the starter is like to say, hey, you can't throw four interceptions and stay in the game because the guy also threw a bunch of touchdown passes. And I thought other than making some mental mistakes and throwing those interceptions, he seemed to play decently well. I really don't, I don't know what the move was there uh, from the coach's mindset. I'm not really too sure. I thought Arizona looked okay. They didn't look fantastic by any means. They hung with Hawaii till about the, the the end of the third quarter. But I think it was not the performance they were looking for. I don't know how you have six takeaways and not win a football game. Especially when your quarterback, speaking about Arizona, is touted to be like a dark horse Heisman Trophy candidate. And just I don't know. I, I I think it I think Arizona's weakness on the road showed from last year. I know last year they went one and four on the road, and I think that showed again. They really struggled to to get the any sort of consistency with moving the ball through at various points in the game. Uh, they did have a couple drives where they put together some some decent uh, you know some decent momentum, but overall the game felt very just disjointed. Uh, for both teams, and I think Hawaii just came out better from it. They they kind of got their act together a little bit earlier in the fourth quarter than Arizona did, and that was kind of the difference, really. So it, it, that was kind of a, a weird game, interesting to watch. I definitely like the the air raid offense or, or whatever terminology they're using for it now. A lot of passing. It does make it exciting. Uh, so... I'm looking forward to, to seeing how Hawaii progresses this year. They always have a tough schedule just because of how much travel they have to do, how much they have to go on the road. So that's always tricky. I think they logged, I want to say, 24,000 travel miles last year. It's just it's rough. It's I can't imagine how tough it is to be a student athlete at that school because you just you gotta you have to fly a minimum of what three, four hours to get anywhere. Uh, five hours. I don't, I've spent a long time since I went to Hawaii and I've only been once. So I don't remember what the flight time is, but even just to get to the West coast, to get to California or something, you're, you're talking basically a four hour flight minimum. Probably. Uh, if you got to fly anywhere else in the country, you're talking six, seven, maybe even eight hours. If you're going to fly anywhere in the Midwest, God forbid, you got to play, go from Hawaii to the East coast. You could have a 10 hour trip. So, I can't imagine how challenging it is for them to not only play at a high level, but also get their classwork and their schoolwork done. So uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm talking bad on Hawaii or anything like that because I know those students have a unique challenge playing there. Uh, so I, I am curious to see how they're going to progress this year. I'm looking forward to watching them play some of their Mountain West opponents once they, once they get into conference play. I think that'll give us a pretty accurate measure of of where they're going to end up uh, and if they're going to end up making a bowl game again this year like they did last year. So 
that's pretty much all I want to talk about for this show. I think we're right about, uh, we're, we're pretty good on time here, running about 24 minutes according to my timer. So I'm going to go ahead and end it here. I really want to thank you for spending the time to, to listen to me. If this is your first one, welcome aboard. I'll help you listen to some future ones. Uh, if you're this is your second time listening, thank you. I really appreciate your support. Uh, I'm going to continue to do these for fun. I'm Like I said, I had a pretty busy week. I am a university student. School's starting back up for me. So I'm going to try to do these as often as I feel like I can produce uh, you know, quality content. I don't want to be repeating myself or talking about the same things week in, week out. You've got ESPN and you've got all the analyst shows and, and all the websites to take care of that for you. So if you want to just keep reading the same information over and over, uh, there's outlets for you to do that. I don't want to make this like that. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping to try to come up with something unique to talk about each time I do an episode. So uh, we'll see if the frequency increases or if it stays about the same. So thanks again. Uh, I hope you have a, a wonderful time, whatever you're doing today. Whatever you're doing, make sure you get, get some college sports in your life. Turn it on the television. Go to your university's games. Check it out. It's always a good time. And until next time, whatever team you root for, hope they're doing well. All right. See you next time.